Welcome to episode 67 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey brings up some positive news from Russia while I talk about another interesting dog breed. We then learn about two new fascinating favorites for our picks this week before getting into our Animal of the Week. I clearly have issues distinguishing between Greenland and Greece, as you'll see in our challenge, which we're excited to bring back. But without further ado, let's dive into episode 67 of the Animal Addicts podcast. Welcome to episode 67 of the Animal Addicts podcast. As always, we're your host, Sally. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new batch of awesome animals. But before we get into that, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you? Also, you sounded very depressed when you said, and Casey. I was trying to go deep as a surprise. No, okay. <laughs> I was like, I love it continued, and I'm just like, wow, he sounded so sad. He's like, and Casey. <laughs> okay, Eeyore. Anyway, all right. What have you been let's, up to? Well, let's face it. We're all Eeyores. But... I love Eeyore. Mm-hmm. Eeyore and Tigger. Is that bad? Does that mean I'm bipolar? I love Eeyore <laughs> and I love Tigger. They're my favorites. See, I love them too, but I know I'm Rabbit. <laughs> you like Rabbit? Oh, you... I am. Ra- oh, no, you're I rabbit? am Rabbit. Okay. Nice. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, I watched Planet Earth Africa. Um, okay. As I was typing all this up, and of course, I enjoyed listening to Daddy Attenborough narrate a bunch of animal stuff. That was weird. Please don't call him that. Um, <laughs> that is a joke me and my friends have done. Okay. I don't like but it. But when it's outside of that group, I always weird. get your reaction. Yeah. I'm like, oh. I find it funny, though. Nope. Um, uh, would it hit, where would it rank on my ratings? Safe, not unsafe. safe, most safe. Uh, not safe? Not, so I want. It was, um, they were doing like a bunch of, what is it called? Anyway, uh, it was just doing a bunch in the series, episode after episode after episode. Oh, okay. Um, that day. And. So there are multiple episodes uh, of Africa or, oh no, okay. So there's like different. Planet Earth, Africa, and then different parts of Africa. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And trauma. <laughs> My mom was sad at one point because um, she went out to eat with my dad and came back and I was sitting there watching and then giraffes were neck fighting each other and the older giraffe was on the ground and then it looked like a final blow was coming but then he juked it and then hit the other giraffe in the abdomen and the other giraffe fell. Oh my gosh, I've never seen them fight and like fall and the- down. Even the victor draft was still bloody on his hindquarters. Oh my gosh, violence. I've never seen them actually go bloody on those. Oh yeah, it's very intense. Because usually it's done after the first few bats, but no, they kept going at each other. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then there was another, ep- I also don't remember which were, the- I do remember one was the Sahara. That one may be safe, I think. I would say probably. Oh boy. <laughs> um. I don't know about that. I still have other Disney ones to get through first before I get onto these. So, <laughs> but um, and then there was another one. It showed a Stuville stork. First off, storks are just assholes. Just yeah. know that mm-hmm. straight up. Yep. Because <laughs> basically, when they reproduce, they do go by the insurance policy. They have a second offspring just as insurance. Because <laughs> one, because as the Stuville stork returns back from hunting to its nest, one of its checks is much bigger than the other, and basically when it. One, the bigger chip starts bullying the other one, and then when the parent comes back, it runs to its parent and be comfort. It doesn't get the comfort. Instead, it just walks over to the other chick to give it water. Aww. But yeah. It's, they're, they're assholes. Yeah. They're like orcas of the bird world. Anyway, okay, so... But it's worse because it's their own offspring. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Birds are assholes with their offspring. <laughs> Not all of them. Like, the radites are sweet. The dad takes care of all the babies. <laughs> yeah, not all birds are awful. Yeah. That's true. But mm-hmm. a lot of birds are awful. Yeah. And there's one part, one of the episodes I really like is when it shows the African forest elephants. Because I honestly don't remember any other documentary where I've seen African forest elephants. Because mm-hmm. it's always African savanna elephants. Because if you ask most people, they... Pretty, they think there's only two, but there's actually three species of elephants. 
Um, and it's cool because they show them leaving the forest, going over to the ocean because they can get salts from the grass. Which Ooh, they need. that's yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. And you can see they also show a part with hippos on the beach. It's just no. something you don't expect. And I don't it's want very that. Interesting. Why? What if you're swimming in the ocean and I was a hippo and I get a problem? <laughs> don't swim around that forest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I, I you. I got my TV in my room at my old house. I didn't get a lot of those channels because I love BBC America. I didn't get that channel. So I like watching those documentaries and stuff, but I never can. <laughs> but you got to this time. Yes, I binge watched a bunch of them. Okay. There so... was also, it was going back and forth between Planet Earth Africa and Wild Patagonia. Oh, interesting. Patagonia, is that where the uh, the orcas are assholes? Something happens with Patagonia. Yeah, yep. they're down mm -hmm. there. Yep, that's the seal. They beach themselves to yep, get the yep, seals. Yep, that's that one. Yep, that's right. Mm -hmm. Great. They didn't show that, though. Oh, nice. Okay. They showed cougars hunting um, guanacos. Guanacos? That's the wild counterpart of llamas. Oh, okay. Yep. Cool. One was missing its tail. Oh, poor thing. It was genetic. It can live without a tail. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, so I'm assuming mm -hmm. most of those are going to be under the not safe yes. categories. But yeah. you should still watch them because they're cool. If you're in the mood for death mm -hmm. and viciousness. When I was looking at other things there for other stories and stuff, there was another one and it was like, video of a great white shark attacking a seal. Watch the bloody video or whatever. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. I remember I saw this, um, I think this was actually a special on Shark Week where it's like, I actually don't remember what the show was even but i do remember this one part where they showed sea lions actually chasing after a great white nice <laughs> get it sea lions mm -hmm. i'm on your side yeah i think it's um in shallow water if they work in a group they can chase off a great white nice 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 can they do that with an orca they should oh, probably not <laughs> <laughs> i love that an orca is scarier than a great white Ugh, anyway well there was problems down in south africa because these two orcas um, they just stayed down there and they were hunting great whites like crazy. Oh, wow. That's nuts. Mm -hmm. I, well, yeah, I guess great whites never really work together. If they mm -hmm. work together, they could get rid of that. But mm -hmm. if you're on your own, yeah. it's rough. See, orcas are evil. They're murderous <laughs> little bastards. Big bastards. <laughs> anyway. All right. So, okay. So you got to watch a nature documentary. I'm also yes. jealous that you have BBC America because I would like to have <laughs> that. I'd like to be, I'm so far behind on Doctor Who because I don't have it. I've never watched Doctor Who. It's fun. It's yeah. very... You should watch the original ones because, oh, my God, so mm. cheesy, so bad, so <laughs> bad. It's hilarious. Mm. Oh, my gosh. It's like if, like, a middle school, not even middle, like a, an elementary school put on a show, like, the kinds of robots and stuff they would have. It's amazing. Mm. It's absolutely amazing. Anyway, um, and they've kept a lot of that campiness with the new stuff, but obviously it's more updated. And mm -hmm. anyway, it's really good. Um, all right, well, I did finally get my endoscopy, and nothing, nothing useful, no answers, so. That's always fun. It's fun. Mm -hmm. It's three months of this now. Well, to be fair, it's like two and a half, well. If it's two and a half, you can round up. It's like, well, it's like two months of me being really strict with what I'm eating, because I was already cutting things out, but like the first like two and a half weeks were kind of like, what's going on? Um, so anyway, it's been like solid two months of absolute. I don't think I could have that discipline. Like, <laughs> oh no, it's been tough. I have, I have broken down. I've had, yeah. I've had my Skittle days. Mm -hmm. I've gotten rid of the Skittles now. Cause I'm like, that's going to keep happening. Yeah. I, um, had my two days where I had a little bit of juice and then I had one day. I was so pissed from work and it was just like, I was done with everything and that was the day i found out that um okay so moving on now they want me to do a colonoscopy which is weird because those symptoms don't really match but like whatever um and you know important stuff and it got scheduled for march 31st four months away basically when this time one airs it won't be quite four months but still it's It'll a very close. long time away and um unacceptable so anyway I was so pissed that day, and then work was awful that day, too. I came home, and I was like, fuck it. Having chocolate. We'll see what happens. Yep, I shouldn't have chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, I know that now. Yeah. But the other day, I was at Jersey Mike's, and I'm like, I might just get a fucking cookie. I might mm -hmm. just get one cookie. Because, like, I ate, I didn't eat a ton of chocolate, but it was like, you know, it was a symphony bar, the bigger bars, and it was one of those. Mm -hmm. Not one square, but, like, the top, you know, 
they come in like four. Yeah. I ate that. So I'm like, that was probably too much shock. I'm like, if I had a cookie, maybe. Like, obviously gluten's not a problem because I'm eating bread and having no issues. So. It's so weird. I know. So I'm like, there's going to be a lot of sugar in a cookie and there's going to be obviously some chocolate in a cookie if I get chocolate chip at least. So I'm like, I might just get a cookie and just see because I'm so pissed. Mm-hmm. Like, and I have to drive to Arizona, which is like a seven hour drive. I'm like, I'm supposed to have no caffeine and I can't get fast food. Like, I don't even know if I can yeah. have like a PB&J. So I'm like, this is a friggin' nightmare. So. Yeah. I remember when it was my gallbladder and it's like, I'm not supposed to have like fatty, greasy foods. Yeah. Not even dressings. It's like. This is impossible. It pretty much takes out everything. I pretty much eat seven things all the time. That's Mm -hmm. the options that I have. Might as well be just drinking Soylent. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe that's what I should do. (laughs) Honestly, it's pretty awful. And if I drink too much water, my stomach gets upset. So I can't even, like, drink a ton of water. So, Which is also why I don't want to do athletic things because then I've just burned calories and I have to eat more and eating is such a nightmare. So I'm like... (laughs) And now it's gotten so bad I'm eating Jersey Mike's, like... At least five times a week. Mm. And I'm like, this is so much. But but that's so weird because, like, guaranteed if my stomach is not feeling – like, right now it feels fine. But, like, if it's not feeling good – not terrible, but if it's not feeling good, I know I'll feel better after I have Jersey Mike's. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the bread is the magic, if their <laughs> bread is the magic. I don't know what it is. On an all-carb like, diet. Just – I just <laughs> hear just that all the time. But, like, and ham has a lot of sodium, which is bad. So, like, that stuff doesn't make sense, but I'm like, but I know, like, if my stomach's feeling iffy, I know if I go get Jersey Mike's, it's going to feel better. Whereas if I just make some chicken, it may not. Mm -hmm. So, it's so frustrating. I'm so beyond over it. I am losing weight. Yay. But it's an awful way to do it. So, um, anyway, so I'm really pissed about that. Um, So, then we're just, she wants to try different medications and then do some other testing. And I'm just like. What kind of medications is it, anyway? Acid blocker. So, I have a feeling that the one I'm on now is messing with the water thing because it obviously gets reduces the acid in your stomach. So I think that I'm having too much water in my stomach because mm-hmm. if I drink water more than like a few sips in between meals, it's really annoying. So like if I dance and you drink a lot of water, then I won't feel good after that. So it's really frustrating. Also, like I should be able to guzzle water whenever I want to. You know what yeah, I mean? We should just Yeah, we do need to get you an IV for caffeine and water. And water. <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> then I'd be more hydrated. Because um, I'm definitely not drinking the amount of water I should be during the day. But it's like I have to – I can't drink a bunch anyway. It's very frustrating. So, yeah, I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, screw it. One day I realized, too, ice cream is the medicine for, like, all things but a cold. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I didn't mm-hmm. try that in the beginning. Usually when I get sick, if I'm like, I don't know what's going on, let's just try ice cream. And I didn't. So now I'm like, should I try ice cream? <laughs> At this point, it's such a disaster. I'm like, I might just try some ice cream. That could go terribly. Dairy Queen's 10-minute drive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I well, before I all this happened, I did a little shop and I have those little baby ice creams. Mm-hmm. So I could eat those, but I'm just like, I should eat that on a day when I'm home so that if it does go poorly, you know, I'll be home and not at work yeah. feeling miserable. So anyway, um, yeah, super frustrated, um, real over it. And also, it's like whatever it is, if it is like an acid reflux – flare if it is whatever i feel like it should have passed by now no matter what it is i know this disease or not diseases but even if you have like ibs or other stuff like that like usually you go through a flare Mm -hmm. and then it calms down so i'm like i feel like we should be there whatever's going on i feel like it should be done by now i do know this one person when he has um acid reflux and like a lot of times when he's talking it's like gets this like it sounds like a really nasty burp comes up all the time and especially after he drinks a lot of water. Oh, yeah. I totally burp after yeah. I drink water. It's ridiculous. Because that's what's insane to me. I'm like, because, you know, you cut out all the stuff you're not supposed to have, which is everything delicious that tastes good. <laughs> I did put some pepper on my on my um, scrambled eggs this morning and yesterday morning, and I didn't die. So far, no bad results. But have I you done a um, very little amount Gordon of Gordon Ramsay's um, way of cooking scrambled eggs. No, what is that? It's like, so it's like, I think it's three eggs. Um, you do it a few, first you, you do it in a saucepan and you take a rubber spatula and you slowly stir it. You don't whisk it. Okay. You don't overbeat it and you just do that and you do it, I think it's like 10 seconds on the heat then you do it 10 seconds off because the heat will stay onto the pan when it's cooking because you don't want to overcook it and break down the egg and then you go back and forth and then when you're nearly done is when you start to add the salt and the pepper because if you do it early on then it's going to break down and mush up the egg oh 
And just, you're also supposed to add cream fresh near the end, too, so that way it doesn't get overheated. I would not add salt to my eggs. That's weird. You don't? No, absolutely not. I do. I used to always, when I made scrambled eggs, I would always put salt and pepper. Pepper, yes. Salt, no. But I do the pepper after they're done. Mm. And you just mix it up. And then usually I'd add some milk in it, too, yeah. to make it fluffier. But right now I'm not doing that, obviously. So anyway, ugh, just I'm so mm. over it. I'm probably next weekend going to say, except I have to get so much done next weekend. Probably just going to say, fuck it and get a cookie. Like one cookie at Jersey Mike's and be like, let's see how this goes. I don't think I've ever eaten at Jersey Mike's. Oh my God, Casey. Well, I can eat that. We yeah. can go to Jersey Mike's someday. <laughs> I had another friend too because I have so many friends right now and everyone's like, oh, let's go get food. I'm like, literally the only place I can eat is Jersey Mike's. So we'll go. And one friend had never been to Jersey Mike's before. And then it's funny because I'm such a boring eater. I basically always get the same thing. The Jersey Mike's by my house Almost everyone who works there knows my order, <laughs> which happened before. I remember happened, um, there was a point where at Subway, that was my situation. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, um, back and when then, I was working down here and it's like, I always go there for lunch basically every day. And like, know me. Yeah, it's funny when I go to a different location because they don't know. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I actually have to tell you. I know you. somebody. Um, he goes to Taco Bell so often. He goes to these two different Taco Bells so they don't recognize him and know his order. <laughs> Okay, so I'm not going to lie to you because I've been having Jersey Mike so much and it's too embarrassing. I have gone to three different locations. I switch it up so I don't go to the same one every time. Mostly I go to the one by me. That's also my favorite location. Mm -hmm. There are definitely better locations than others. Before when I could eat cookies, usually their cookies were better, but they've gotten worse. They, mm -hmm. they do them when they're crunchier now. I like them soft and gooey. And then they also have Cherry Pepsi in their tap, mm. which most places don't have. And consistently their bread is usually better. Which Jersey Mike's bread is usually pretty good, but... This one, that's the best side. Anyway, but I've been going to three different locations just so they don't see me every day because I'm having it like five times a week now. It's ridiculous. I had it one time uh, a week before. One time a week. <laughs> so it's frustrating. But yeah, so I brought the one friend and I went and I was like, um, I was at the same thing, but I know that I have friends who like the big kahuna, so maybe try that. And he's like, yeah, I can go get the big kahuna. <laughs> and he liked it. Yeah. Anyway, I was like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so also shout out to Jersey Mike's. I freaking love Jersey Mike's. If anyone works at Jersey Mike's and wants to give me food <laughs> or cookies eventually when I can have them. Their cookies are the friggin' best. Oh, dude. really? Oh, my God. They're so, that's why I love them because, like, their bread is better than Subway. So, like, I like them better than Subway. I like them Do better than any of their like, subs. Do they all the variety of Subway um, for um, the bread? I'm not a great person to answer that because I always get the same thing. Unless they don't have white, then I get wheat. Um, yeah, that... But they have white, wheat, rosemary, parm, and then gluten-free. Mm. Those are the breads they have, usually. Yeah, because at Subway, I always get the urban cheese bread oh no and i tried the rosemary parm one time and i was like nope this is not for me mm. anyway i love parmesan um i thought i would like it but i was like nope don't like it um anyway but yeah so it's just i'm there all the time and it's bad but i also don't want to be eating as much but also like the thing is like i know i'm gonna feel better if i have it so i'm like i guess i just say fuck it and that's literally what i eat so basically my food is like either a banana or scrambled eggs in the morning sometimes i'll have both on the weekend and then chicken <laughs> brown rice I've discovered the trick is boiling your carrots <laughs> to make carrots edible. So the carrots are exciting because now they've stepped up my meal. Now there's some flavor. So I have plain chicken, brown rice, and some carrots. That is my morning snack, lunch, afternoon snack, and then my dinner insurance makes almost every day. And you're not able to like... And water. I like vegetables most when they're oven roasted. No. So I did the oven roasting first. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have, like, real problems, but my stomach made so much noise. Like, it was just, I didn't get, I would still be burpy and stuff, because I am with water, so it makes no sense. Or plain chicken and nothing else. I'm like, this doesn't make sense <laughs> that this is happening. Like, there's no also reason for this to react like this. It's water, and it is plain chicken with no seasoning, nothing added to it. Like, why? So, so it's not just vegetables straight out, but has to do with how you make how them. you make them. That is so weird. So I definitely like... can't. Also, if you do raw vegetables, that's stuff on your stomach anyway. Uh -huh. So, but if I bake them, it didn't do as well. And I found because I love carrots, and that is like the most flavorful thing in the world. And it has changed my day because having that with my rice and my chicken gives it some flavor. So, um, but boiling is what I found works the best. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Because like, which is also shorter. Because so. a lot of the gas that will build up in your stomach is from like the bacteria eating the cellulose, and it's like, why? <laughs> I just. It does not make sense. No. Okay. It's ridiculous, and I don't know why it's been so long. When I've lately, I've been worse because I've cheated more because I've been so pissed. But I'm like, it should. doesn't make sense that it's this long and it's not getting anywhere. And I feel mm -hmm. like the like solution is 
have these med have this medication have this medication i'm like yeah but it shouldn't be a problem still why anyway and then she suggested one food she's like well have this before you eat and i don't know i messaged her and i got like a you know like a pa and they were like, I wonder if it opened up as you were swallowing it. Because I was like, it burned my throat. So I was like, won't be doing that again. Thank you, no. She's like, yeah, it's supposed to open your stomach. I'm like, I don't care what happened. I'm not doing that again. I'm not mm. risking the burning of my throat. Because I don't care. It was not worth it. Anyway. I think I could get away with having like two Skittles a day, though. I think I could do that mm. without pissing it off. Anyway, it's a nightmare, and the American Medical Center system is a disaster anyway, which I think places with universal health care also have trouble getting appointments in reasonable amounts of time, but, like, three, four months is ridiculous. Like, I expected yeah. it to be a month, but I'm like, I can't live like this for another four months. Like, mm -hmm. this is not acceptable. At that point, I'm like, just give me whatever drug so, like, life is tolerable and I'm going to eat at least semi-normally because this is ridiculous. Anyway, so, you know, this and then work is annoying, so yeah. it's just really good times. So, uh, moving on into actual animals that are wonderful <laughs> and we love it. I don't know. Is it wonderful? Is this a good story? Is this a bad story? Mine? Yeah. It's good. Great. Okay. We have positive things today. Positive. Yes. Yay. All right. Take it away, it Casey. It is positive. <laughs> Yay. As we have good news for the world's biggest cat. Yay. For those that don't know, the largest cat in the world is the Amur tiger, which is the northernmost subspecies of the tiger. There has been some good news recently, as there have been some tiger footprints found in northeastern Siberia, which is the first sign of the species in the area in 50 years. You're right. It is positive. <laughs> that's exciting. Yep. How do they know that it... Oh, is that the only tiger that's in that area? Is that how they know it's that yeah. one? Okay. Gotcha. No no other tigers subspecies mm. that far north. Okay. I'm like, that person is skilled if they can tell the difference between different tigers, but okay. Yes. By a footprint. Mm-hmm. So conservationists are optimistic that this is an indication that mer tigers are starting to expand their range due to conservation measures that have been put in place. That's good. The prints were seen around the Alden River, which is a region that has been depleted of forest and boar. This has made it difficult for tigers to live here because there's a lack of suitable habitat and insufficient amount of prey um, available. And there are conservation seeing this as a sign that the species numbers may not be as big of concern as for some other um, subspecies, as it indicates that the population is large enough that they are now venturing back into some of their historic range. However, that still doesn't mean there's an abundance of them because they are classified as endangered by the IUCN Red List. And the recent census indicates that there is only 550 left in Siberia, China, and possibly still in North Korea. It is still a big accomplishment for the species because back in the 40s, the Amur tiger was on the brink of extinction with just 10% of its current population. Oh, man. Back in 1947, the Soviet Union banned hunting of the subspecies, which helped the species population rebound. Nevertheless, the Amur tiger is still in danger and requires pressure from conservation efforts to help preserve it. And, um, but at the very least, this is a promising sign for the future. Cool. I always, it makes me think of the fact that, um, you know, they say that Russians are the scariest white people. And <laughs> it makes sense. Russia is tough. You got like major predators. You got wolves. You actually have to be concerned about coming after you there. <laughs> You got tiger, like, oh, can you just imagine just wandering around Russia? You got giant bears, you got freaking tigers, you got wolves that'll actually attack you. Yeah. It's, oh my gosh. No wonder they got to deal with that. Of course, you know, whatever. Anyway. But um, yeah, I just I just put two and two together on that mm -hmm. one. I'm like, huh, Russia's a tough place, man. Mm -hmm. Anyway. All right. Well, that's exciting, though. Good news from Russia. Yep. Well, just from, you know, in general. But anyway, um, so it is time for another doggie. And I, because I accidentally had a dog that originated in Africa last time, I was like, let's do a dog that's from Asia. So I chose the Chinese Crested, which if you don't know about these, you do. You just don't know that you know about them because <laughs> most of the time these dogs win like the ugliest dog competitions and stuff. Like you've 100% seen them at some point in your life. Not in person, but like on TV. I've only seen one. No, maybe two in person. Yeah. I've seen, well, the one person had a, a couple, but anyway. So they are, um, they credit them with being affectionate, alert, excuse me, and lively. They're part of the toy group, Casey. That one's cute. Look at him. Anyway. Yeah. And how popular do you think they are, Casey? 
74th. That was really close. 79 of 201. Oh. You're real good, man. Look at that. All right. So a little bit about these puppers. So Chinese Crested Origins go so far back in time, we can make only educated assumptions <laughs> about how the breed was created. It is thought that in ancient times, large hairless dogs from Africa were brought to China. So then I was like, oh, they didn't even originate. <laughs> sort of. They were developed in China. Yeah. Um, brought to China, where after generations of breeding, they were reduced in size. In parentheses, the Chinese were the master miniaturizers of the ancient world. The Shih Tzu oh and Pekingese, and two further example are two further examples of breeds born of Chinese mini mania. AKC, what? we can always depend on you. So Chinese trading vessels traveled the high seas with crested on board. The dogs became famous as shipboard exterminators. Expert at catching disease-bearing rats. They were traded among sailors and seaports around the world and along the way acquired the name Chinese Shipdog. Their far-flung travels brought crested to exotic ports of call. Egypt, Turkey, South Africa, among them, where local variations of the breed were cultivated. So thoroughly was the small hairless ratter disseminated around the world that during the age of discovery, European European excuse me explorers recorded sightings of crested type dogs in port towns of Central and South America, Asia, and Africa. Anyway, it goes on to say where they took hold in the United States and everything, but there we go. Um, I have not seen that before. I'm just skipping to the bottom of this a little bit. And it's like, among the many nicknames this unusual breed has acquired over the years, it is is the Dr. Seuss dog, a reference to the what? hairless crested resemblance to fanciful creatures who populate the books of the beloved author-illustrator. I, I mean, kind of. Kind of, but not really. Anyway. Like, I don't remember anything hairless. Well, but they like, have, like, little puffs yes, and stuff. Yes, I see so that. Got that, but, but no, not really. Well, some of them are really skinny, so I don't know. Whatever. I think that's a stretch. So this is telling us a little bit about the breed. So with their spotted pink skin, spiky, crested hairdo, furry socks, and feathery tail, you can't mistake the sweet and slender Chinese crested for any other breed. That is true. This frolicsome, that is a word oh I am using gosh. to describe myself around, <laughs> this frolicsome, ultra-affectionate companion dog is truly a breed apart. The Chinese crested, a lively and alert toy breed, standing between 11 and 13 inches high, can be hairless or coated. The hairless variety has smooth, soft skin and tufts of hair on the head, tail, and ankles. The coated variety, called the powder puff, is covered by a soft, silky... Powder puff? That's what it's called. It's covered by a soft, silky coat. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You'd have to have three of them, and you'd have to do it. Dress them up. Besides the coat, there's very little difference between the powder puff and his undressed brother. (laughs) Both varieties are characterized by fine-boned elegance and graceful movement. Crested are as fun as they look, playful, loving, and devoted to their humans. The hairless has its advantages, there is no doggy odor, and for obvious reasons, shedding isn't much of a problem. Both varieties are attentive housemates, truly in tune with their family. Um, they do need sunscreen, though. I remember with these guys, pretty much any hairless dog, you have to put sunscreen on them. How many hairless are there anyway? I keep discovering more. Because I knew about these guys, and then I knew about, about the cat, and then um, Sholos. And then there's another... I think there's like a, it's a different type of ridgeback that looks like it's hairless too. It's not a Rhodesian, it's something mm. else. Um, anyway, so these guys are really cool. Um, so as far as their height, like we said, 11 to 13 inches. They weigh about 8 to 12 pounds and their life expectancy is about 13 to 18 years. And let's see here what they say about, you know, um, their basic health and all that stuff. So the things they want you to test, test for for these guys are patella evaluations, ophthalmologist evaluations, evaluations, PRA, RCD3 DNA test, cardiac exam, and PLL DNA test. And purebreds have so many things. So um, anyway, they're saying the inherited eye problems are common to know and common, oh my gosh, that are known to occur in the Chinese crested, including progressive retinal atrophy, glaucoma, and primary lens luxation. I don't know what that is. Epilepsy occurs in the breed occasionally. Oh my gosh. Um, patellar luxation slips stifles. I've never seen that before either. Affects cresteds as it does most small breeds. Leg calf perthis, I guess, disease has no DNA test to screen parents, but it does sometimes show up on x ray. Okay, they've got a lot of problems. Of course they do. <laughs> anyway, so you're probably going to have health issues if you get this dog. 
Uh, grooming. Well, like, I don't know about this breed, obviously, but I know with, like, the Sphinx hairless cats, all those cats are descended from a single cat that had that one mutation. Yeah. So, so super inbred. Yes. Yes. Um, and then it's going on for grooming. You would think that the hairless version would need no grooming. After all, he has no hair. However, because his skin is exposed, the hairless crested is prone to skin irritations, allergies, and sunburn. Careful grooming, including skin treatments, specifically for your dog's skin type, sunscreen, and acne lotions. Do they need a moisturize too? Probably. Are necessary to maintain a healthy pet. The powder puff version needs to be brushed daily to maintain his fluffy coat. And the powder puff's coat is different than that of most other dogs. The undercoat is shorter than the longer overlay, which is the opposite of most haired breeds. This makes them easier to brush, but the coat can mat quickly. Um, exercise... Do, 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 do. They just need like basic daily short walks so they're not overly, um, not enthusiastic, what are words I'm looking for? <laughs> Energetic. Um, training, again, just train all dogs. Um, are they pretty good at, they seem like they're pretty good at training, picking that up. Um, so yeah, so that's like the basics of them. These little powder puff puppies that they show are pretty cute. Look at those. They are. Those are cute. Also, I've never seen them with like black and white. Anyway. Yeah, but that's too much hair for a crested. <laughs> when I imagine a crested, I it don't think It has to be the hairless, that. yeah. <laughs> With little pink splotches, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, they're really cool dogs. Um, They're definitely unique looking. Check them out. Again, like I said, you've probably seen them even if you don't realize that you've seen them. So they are awesome doggos. And that brings us back to our picks. And this was Casey's choice. And as I alluded to last time, he stole one from me, <laughs> sort of. So what was the category? And what was your choice, Casey? I did Asian snakes. Yeah. I made my category Asian lizard so that a snake would still be available we so I both could chose take mates. his things. We both chose what? Squamates. That's the same it's, family? That's the lizards and snakes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Squamata. Squamata. I actually think it's an outer. Anyway, so Casey, who is your choice? Hold on. That I obviously know nothing about because I didn't know things last time. Hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> Casey was ill-prepared. No, uh, I am correct. Squamata is in order. <laughs> I remember it being in order. Okay. Because I think you asked me a question about that Oh, yeah, that that's right. That was... Because um, the Gila monster was in it, wasn't it? Or yeah. something was in it, yeah. Yeah, because I was. it was back when we talked about the um, Tuatara. Yeah. And I, its order was not Squamata. Yeah, yeah. All right, so yes. who is your favorite Asian snake, Casey? I chose the King Cobra. Mm -hmm. He sniped it for and me. And I will take offense from Allie because she said it was too basic. I said, okay, first of all, I said it was too well known to be an animal of the week. Mm -hmm. So we did it this way. Yeah. But I have a little story to tell first because okay. one time I went with my friends to the San Diego Zoo and when we made a You've told this story. I have? Yes. Well, okay. tell it again. Maybe someone didn't listen to that episode. Okay. It was so, a while ago. <laughs> anyways, so we made the plans and like the plan of the trip was we're going to get drunk and watch the monkeys. <laughs> yep. Always a good plan. So we went there. I got a frozen margarita, strawberry, of course, when I got there. Oh, I missed that. And it was an empty stomach, my mistake. Mm-hmm. So it was buzzed very early on, and we were in the reptile house, and I ran over when I saw the king cobra. I was like, guys, this is my favorite venomous lizard. Mm-hmm. I bet even small children looked at you like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and their parents like, he's And I wasted. have a degree. He's wasted. I have said really <laughs> stupid shit before mm. about things that I know about, and I'm like, wow, what? Yeah. So, and I don't even think I was drunk. I think I was just tired. <laughs> Anyway, so tell us about the King Cobra, though. Yes, so their scientific name is Ophiophagus hana. Whoa. This species is found in Southeast Asia, ranging from northern India to southern China down to the Philippines. They prefer to live in close proximity to streams and are found in both dense and open forest habitats. It is the world's large, longest species of venomous snake. Yep. They weigh approximately 6 kilograms, on average about 3 to 3.6 meters long. But some of the largest individuals reach 5.5 meters long. Which is long. ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And if you do go to the San Diego Zoo or a, you know, a large zoo, mm -hmm. AZA accredited zoo near you, they likely it have one. Really is, yeah, they likely have one. And when you see it in person, it's really crazy how long they are. It's awesome. It's it's a, it takes you back a little bit. Yeah. Anyway. I remember the first time I saw one uh, when I was a kid on a documentary. I was like, that's so cool. 
But it's not the same as seeing it in person, seeing know, how long it is. Like, in front of you, you're like, what the hell? The snake keeps yeah. going. Because usually there's one or two in, like, one of the enclosures. You're like, oh, that one's that's yeah. head, and that's that one. So you're like, no, it's no just this is all one, one snake. Because <laughs> they need each other. <laughs> Get to that later. Um, their lifespan is about 20 years. And like all other cobras, it will rear up a third of its body and expose its hood to make it appear larger in an effort to scare off potential predators. Now, to put this in perspective, a full-grown king cobra is so long that when it rears up, it can look a grown man in the eyes. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. Not okay with it. Not okay with it. They can also still travel a decent distance while in this position. Nope, don't like that either. I don't like how fast some of these snakes are. Uh, I love it. Males will also rear up during courtship when they are competing with each other for mates as well. The king cobras um, form a male infighting um, is primarily ritualistic when they are wrestling with each other. They wrap around each other, try to push each other over. Isn't that pretty much what rattlesnakes do too? I don't know. I can't I think remember. They do because I've seen videos and they basically wrap around each other and they're like Probably. wrestling. Um, and basically the wrestling match is over when one gets the other's head down onto the ground. Pinned. They and literally wrestle. It, it, go off. it goes off its separate way. Well, that's good. They don't actually like, damage each other then. Yeah. And uh, that's actually a trend a lot in evolution. Because like, if you look at a good example I use is deer. If you look some of the more, very primitive deer, they get brutalized with each other. And some of them even have canines and will bite each other and Ooh. nearly maim each other to death. Um, and then the ones that have evolved much more recently, they ha are, they're the ones with the very distinct antlers. It's, oftentimes, it's just the appearance of those antlers show you, hey, I'm fit and you can't beat me. I can me. grow these, so I'm, I'm tough. And... Yeah, and then when there are physical bats, they're not usually as serious because it's advantageous for the individual and the species as a whole if you don't nearly kill each other yeah. every time you want to mate. Lions have not jumped on that. Yeah. <laughs> Lions a bit more complicated and interesting. <laughs> Lions are vicious, man. Yep. Now, the king cobra may have a fearsome reputation, but is actually more cautious than many other smaller snake species and will only attack people when they are cornered. The cobra will try its posturing and hiss to scare off threats before it even tries to bite. Um, it actually has a lower sounding hiss as it has tiny holes in its trachea and the hiss resonates in its lungs and it almost sounds like a dog's growl. Oh my God. It's... I want to hear it, honestly. Yeah. I would like to hear that. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be directed at me, but mm -hmm. I would like to hear that. Yeah. Um, on average, the king cobra causes less than five human fatalities each year. That is about one-fifth the number of rattlesnake deaths per year. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and rattlesnake, you can totally survive if you mm -hmm. get to a hospital. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But as I said, as we talked about last episode, mm -hmm. um, the thing that the most dangerous part about their venom is the fact that they will inject the largest dose of venom of any species. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, we'll get into what they're hunting, why they mm -hmm. would need to do that in yeah. a bit. But The king cobra is different from many other snakes in that rather than hunt small mammals, it prefers to eat other reptiles, specifically other snakes. The king cobra actually gets its name because it is known to hunt and eat other cobra species. Just like a king snake? Yeah. But the... <laughs> but as king in front of it, it basically means it's going to eat yeah. its own kind. <laughs> yeah. But the bulk of the diet consists of species of rat snake and some smaller python species. Wow. Mm -hmm. And fun fact, the king cobra's generic name, Ophiophagus, is derived from Greek and means snake eating. <laughs> oh, they make things so basic. Yes. Um, it wasn't always Ophiophagus. Um, originally, it was nausea, which are the true cobras. Yeah, that was what my... Um... Egyptian Wait, Yes, cobra. Egyptian cobra. I was like, who was that? Egyptian cobra, yeah, was. Yep. Which is beautiful. Yep. It's just a pretty word. Mm -hmm. The venom the king cobra uses is a neurotoxin, which attacks the nervous system, especially the signals responsible for breathing. And this... But there have been promising results from this species as the study of this species venom has yield has resulted in development of painkillers one of those is carboxin as well as niloxin which is used for severe arthritis pain hmm. 
Another characteristic that sets king cobras apart from other species is that both parents partake in parental care. Aww, it's a little baby snakey. Yes. And the female actually will put, after she lays her eggs, she will push leaves and branches into a nest pile for eggs to incubate them Aww. and lays on top of them. And to my knowledge, it is the only snake that does that. That is so cute. I yeah. did not know them about that. Mm-hmm. Know that about them. Yep. They're good parents. Aww. Especially for snakes. Yeah. Uh, the king cobra is currently listed as vulnerable by the IUCN red list. The population is currently in decline. It is also listed under Appendix 2 of CITES. The species is experiencing um, habitat loss, but it has been shown to survive in degraded areas. So this is likely not the biggest threat, but does exert some pressure on the species. Um, the species is under threat due to harvesting of individuals to use as food, skin, pets, and traditional Chinese medicine. There are protected areas in its native range to serve as safeguards against harvesting threats, however. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Yes. Let- now, yeah. before oh. we move on to your species. Oh, okay. I must ask you, did you specifically choose this because of the way it looks? The king cobra? No, yours. Oh, yeah, obviously. Okay. And, then, Just cool. and then I found out something cool about it when I like clicked on it. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, I absolutely picked it because you took the one I wanted to do. That's why I didn't originally pick a cobra in Africa because I was like, well, the king cobra is cooler. So wait for that. And then you took it. Yeah. So and then I was just looking for like other Asian snakes and I was like, I don't want to do the like vipers and pythons. Why? And then the one that I that I obviously put a note about, the one green snake I really like is not here. So I was like, nope, okay, we'll do this one. This one looks cool. And blue is the best color. And they're really pretty. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, sometimes, Casey, I just pick something that's pretty, and it turns out to have a really cool (laughs) biological situation going on. Yes. So, I chose the blue coral snake. Um, I've also seen them when I was looking for them. What do they call it? Long gland blue coral snake or something like that? We'll get into that. Anyway. So, their scientific name is Calliophus, something like that. Bivigratus. Bivigratus. Nope. Bivigatus. Gatus. Gatus. Mm-hmm. Moving on. The species is native to Southeast Asia, including countries like Brunei. Is that it? Brunei or Brunei? I think it's Brunei. Brunei. Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, and Burma. You know what's really sad? I am an old person who's going to have to make this font bigger. Is that the most depressing thing or what? There we go. <laughs> All right. I'm like, this is just getting tough. All right. The species prefers to live in lowland. I read that as Iowa to begin with. Iowa, Iowa land. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. The species prefers to live in lowland and lower mountain forests. They are a moderately sized species of tropical coral snake, reaching lengths of 1.8 meters. Still pretty long. They live up to 15 years. As their name suggests, they are a pretty snake. Oh, Allie chose them. That has a bluish colored body, but has a brightly colored redhead. I just, side note, I feel like if I do a druid again and I go back into D&D, I'm not just going to be a snake. I'm going to be like, I'm a blue coral snake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, Instead of being like a deer, I'm, I'm a saola. <laughs> not really a deer, but still like something like that, yeah. you know? Like, mm-hmm, I'm a redheaded agama. Thank you. Anyway. We've talked about quite a few agamas. We did. I didn't mean to. When I was looking at yours, it was like an agama. And I'm like, oh, that's the first time. What was it there, agama, before I brought one up? You chose one. Yeah. Um, so we've had two. No. Three. Who's the third one? A flying lizard. It's oh. an agama. Oh, I didn't realize that was an agama. <laughs> Look at me learning things. Anyway, back to the beautiful blue coral snake. Um, they. It is a semi-fossorial species because it does not burrow into the ground, but spends most of its time hiding and moving through the leaf littered, leaf litter, excuse me, of the forest floor. It is sometimes mistaken for the red-headed reed snake, which is unfortunate for the idiots out there as the reed snake, I love you, Casey, is not venomous, whereas the blue coral snake very much is. I just need to read that again. Okay. It is somewhat mis- sometimes mistaken for the red-headed reed snake, which is unfortunate for the idiots out there, as the reed snake is not venomous, whereas the blue coral snake very much is. So I'm guessing that means people try to pick it up, and then they get bit, and then they're in trouble. Okay. <laughs> this speech- I, just, I just remember a, um, this one time I knew somebody... Um, they tried to do the rhyme for the coral snake yeah, versus yeah. the milk snake, and they got it wrong. <laughs> 
and he got very lucky he did not get bit. Oh, he did it, and then he picked one he up? He picked one up. It was oh a coral snake. Oh, my God. That is not difficult. I Rex know. black. Unless it's killed Jack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It, well, if you've not heard that before, by the way, red touches yellow. No, sorry, it's black first. Red touches black. You're all right, Jack. Red touches yellow. Kill a fellow. Mm-hmm. So that's how you know don't touch those. Also, maybe just don't touch the snake in general. <laughs> yeah, the one I learned was red touches yellow, kills a fellow. Red touches black, venom it lacks. Oh. Yeah. I like you're all right, Jack, better. Sorry. <laughs> it is better, but that's the one I grew up learning. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> this species has unusually, usually, oh my god, how is that word hard? Unusually. <laughs> I can't eat, that's my excuse. <laughs> this species has unusually long venom glands, which extend to about a quarter of its body length, which is crazy. <laughs> like the king cobra, it is in the elapidae family, but its venom is different from the other elapids in that it does not have a neurotoxin, it does not have neurotoxin in its venom. Instead, this species uses cytoxin. Cytotoxin. Cytotoxin. Yep, there's another one there. <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this. This is so sad. There we go. <laughs> I'm officially old. <laughs> okay. All the optometrists. <laughs> I got my eyes checked recently, but it was like kind of a borderline situation. But anyway, but you know how you get headaches if it's too high? Yeah. So it's kind of like, eh. Anyway, it has a unique, it's also not bright in here. It has a unique cytotoxin called caliotoxin, Mm -hmm. which inhibits the inactivation of sodium channels, forcing the channels to remain odium. channels to remain open <laughs> what, what does that do okay it, you're you're right it explains it <laughs> <laughs> we are so together oh no now the giggles are gonna come <laughs> anyway all right i'm gonna Ooh. reset get it back get it back Woo! these channels are responsible for the passing of electrochemical signals now i have tears in my eyes what's worse <laughs> <laughs> um, signals between cells and by forcing them open the venom and muscles hyper contract into a very rapid paralysis so it basically paralyzes you yes it paralyzes okay. you very quickly oh that sucks <laughs> another component of its venom is called jeez this is like I don't remember what that animal was that you had all this scientific shit in but this is <laughs> happening again oh my god another... it's cool I had to include it uh, another component of its venom is called Phosphodiesterase. Oh, phosphodiesterase. <laughs> sure, phosphodiesterase. I would make someone spell that in spelling bee. Write that one down. <laughs> Which cause a release of oh god, <laughs> adenosine. 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 That makes more sense. Causing. That's also what you get when you drink coffee. By the way. Oh, so I need this. <laughs> Of adenosine. Is that a bad thing? Causing um, hypotension, low bro- d- blood volume, pressure. Um, there's a phrase from somebody I know that um, dose makes the poison. What? <laughs> You've never? Yeah. No. Yes. I've never heard that. I'm so Yes, confused. there's a safe amount of vitamin A you can eat, and after that, you die. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can OD on, like, all things. It's crazy. Yes. Even vitamin C. All right. Anyway. So, mm-hmm. I'm not repeating all that. I hope you got it the first time. I'm so sorry. Causing hypotension. Hypertension or hypotension? No, it's hypotension. Oh, it's so weird. I've never seen hypotension. It makes sense, mm-hmm. but anyway. Causes hypotension, low blood pressure, inflammation, and blocks neurotransmitters. <sighs> okay, that's just, that was a lot, man. Okay. The reason for this species, the reason that the species has such potent, fast-acting venom is due to its preferred prey, which is other venomous snakes. Another thing like the king cobra, although theirs aren't necessarily venomous. The species essentially has been an evolution in an evolutionary try it again. Try again. This species essentially has been in an evolutionary arms race with its prey to evolve more potent venom. Since when your prey is also venomous, you want to kill it before it has a chance to bite back. This allows it to bite its prey and just wait for paralysis to take in before it can start feeding. But it's not dead yet. It's just mm-hmm. paralyzed. Yeah. Oh, God, I hate those. That's always the worst. I'm like, that would be awful. King cobras really do that, too. Like, uh, you'll see them 
hunting and then the snake's just trying to bite back as it's swallowing it. Oh, God, that's yeah. awful. Oh, I don't like Nature that. is cool. Nature is awful. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. This, yeah, okay, we did that part. Okay, so some scientists are now hoping that research into the venom may lead to development to better painkillers. I love that all of these, like, deadly venoms are like, oh, painkillers, let's do this. Venom is actively researched for medical purposes. I feel like all venom is always in the, for all kinds yeah. of stuff. I just don't expect it to be painkillers. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Because it just kills you. <laughs> anyway, you can't feel pain when you're dead. <laughs> the sodium channels also regulate signals between nerve cells, and by targeting specific ones, they could provide pain relief, and more importantly, the development of a non-narcotic, that'd be good, painkiller, which could help prevent future victims of the opioid epidemic. There's already promising results from other animals, as the drug Prealt was developed from a species of cone snail, oh snap, venom, which has similar properties. The blue coral snake is currently classified as least concerned by the IUCN red list. There are currently no known major threats to the species survival. And that is the blue coral snake. I'm sorry, that was a hot mess. Um, I'm tired and it's had a lot of giant words in it. <laughs> I hate it when yeah. they have and so many. And just a little info as to why you don't see prescribed often. Um, it's because the medication can't pass the blood-brain barrier. So if you need it, you have to get a spinal injection. Oh, God. Yeah. But what they think with this one is, so far it's not showing like spectacular promising signs, but it's because of this mechanism. Um, but because it is a snake, so it's a vertebrate and more closely related to us than a cone snail is, um, that it will have closer physiological properties hmm, okay. and be more applicable. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Science! All right. Oh, man. That was, that, was, that was a lot. Okay. All right, Casey. Uh... Yes, Allie. Why was the snake mad at the jewel thief? I don't know. Because he wanted his diamond back. Oh my god! <laughs> I should know this. I love I that one. I guess that. That one's great. <sighs> anyway, there are other jewel names in snakes, so like I can't think of you, one. Like an emerald <laughs> for one. <laughs> um. Anyway. All right, um, that brings us to our Animal of the Week. Are you ready? Yes. Our Animal of the Week this week is... The Common Kingfisher. The Common Kingfisher, which is really pretty. <laughs> and it looks cool. No wonder you liked it. And I, I know, right? <laughs> and I don't know anything else about it. I feel like, do they have these? At, they must have these at the zoo, mm-hmm. the park. I feel like I've seen them before. Anyway, yep. take it away, Casey. So these guys come from the order Coraciformes, and they come from the family El... Alcedinidae, mm-hmm. um, which are all, which is the kingfisher family. Okay. Um, and this species scientific name is Alcedo altis. At this. Sorry. <laughs> See, you have an easy time with it too, don't you? Ha. Alcedo at this. Mm-hmm. So the common kingfisher is a widespread wide-ranging species found throughout Eurasia, having populations in Europe, parts of Northern Africa, and Southeast Asia, as well as some breeding grounds further north. This species lives around bodies of water like lakes, streams, and wetlands. They typically live around freshwater, but have been known to stay around brackish water, especially in cooler months of the year when lakes are often frozen. The average lifespan for the species is 7 years, but they have been known to live up to 15 years. And they're a relatively small bird. They only weigh about 34 grams. They're about 17 to 19 centimeters long with a 26 centimeter wingspan. As the name may suggest, they are primarily piscivores with nearly 70% of their diet consisting of fish. While the rest of their diet is usually made up of small arthropods like crabs and other crustaceans. Okay. This species is sexually dichromic, with males having brighter blue plumage, but both sexes are around the same size because they are highly territorial, and females need to be able to compete with the males for resources. Wow. Mm-hmm. Also, another fun fact, uh, I found that their color is not due to pigments, but is due to iridescence. So during different parts of the day, they will have different, different colors. Color. Ooh, yeah. that's cool. Still going to be shades of bluish green, yeah. but it changes. Nice. Yeah. 
The Kingfisher is uh, sorry, <laughs> lost my thought. Um, it is primarily a solitary species and really only socializes when it is mating. They are a serially monogamous species and will find a new mate each year. Okay. The male and female will use their beaks to dig a hole in the bank along the water to serve as their nest. Hmm. Uh, both parents will partake in raising their offspring, but the female does most of the work. The main reason for the species being so active um, the rest of the year is due to the, during the rest of the day. <laughs> I don't know. What, I'm a mess. Sorry. Um, is due to their incredibly high metabolism and need to eat around 60% of their body weight each day. Oh my gosh. One of the traits that will probably stick out when looking at a kingfisher besides their beautiful plumage is their beak. Their beak is somewhat dagger-shaped and looks oversized compared to the rest of their stocky body. And it is around 4 centimeters long, which is about a fifth of its body length. This beak helps make the bird hydrodynamic and allows them to dive very well into the water when hunting and are able to make very little splash when they do dive in for fish. Aww. Like Olympic divers. Yeah. Elves take good care of their beaks by scraping it against branches to keep it nice and streamlined. Nice. Kingfishers usually are active in the morning and evening to avoid intense heat from the hottest part of the day. When they are hunting, they will stay perched above the water, scanning the surface, looking for its target. But if perches are not available, they will continuously flap their wings, hovering above the water, similar to how hummingbirds do it. But it's not nearly as stationary. Oh, yeah, okay. The kingfisher has evolved incredible eyesight to help them locate fish under the water surface, which can be more difficult than many realize because the refraction of light on water makes objects below appear closer than they actually are. There is also a problem that comes with the glare on the water surface, which makes it more difficult to see what's in there. So their eyes are actually able to polarize light, which allows them to reduce the reflection on the water surface, giving them a clearer image of their target. Wow, okay. Mm -hmm. Like many other animals, kingfishers have a third eyelid called the nictitating membrane, which covers the eye to protect it as it dives into the water. The membrane is translucent, which allows it to still see while having its eyes protected. The kingfisher does have excellent eyesight and can see sharp edges while above water, but when it dives into the water, imaged forming capability becomes greatly reduced. However, they still have great binocular vision underwater, and at that point, it is more important to judge the distance and movement of their prey when they're hunting. Hmm. When they do catch a fish, they will bring it up to a perch, and they will use their beak to smack the fish's head against a branch. See, at least they try to kill it quickly. Yep. <laughs> Good job, well, Kingfisher. Yes. Um, they will then toss it around in their mouth a couple times, and they will always swallow it head first. And this is to avoid having the scale scrape against its esophagus. Oh, smart. Yep. The common kingfisher is currently classified as least concerned by the IUCN red list. The declines in their native population are likely due to pollution in river systems due to industrial waste and agricultural runoff. Hmm. The kingfisher has few predators and is one of the top predators in its environment, so they are susceptible to bioaccumulation of toxins that are consumed mm. by the prey item it eats. Yeah. Conservation actions that have been proposed are the preservation of river systems in its native range, and research needs to be done to better understand how individual threats are affecting the species and what measures against them are most important. Yeah. Okay. There we are, the common kingfisher, which is really cool, but it was also pretty. And also, like, I feel like it just has a different shape than a lot of other birds, so that's yeah. part of why I liked it, too. All right, well, that brings us to our challenge, and I have decided it has been long enough. We can just <laughs> take it back up again. I was going to try to go back and see which ones, like, listen back to see which ones we've done, but I was like, that's ridiculous. So I was like, we'll just wait a while, and we'll have forgotten them, and we'll move on. So we're going to do another round of our cups game. Basically, we're starting cups over mm -hmm. halfway through this season. <laughs> Literally halfway through the season, we're Is starting really this over. Halfway? Yeah, because wow. Africa's the fifth one, and we have ten. Oh. I don't know why I did this for ten. That's not whatever. <laughs> anyway. All right. So I'm going to set up for, not for three hours. That was the last timer I had. What the? Um, for five minutes. 
because I'm going to trust me to do the time right. I All just right. fixed it to make sure, and now we're not doing it. Okay, if you want to use your phone. No, you're okay. not already. Okay, all right. <laughs> so we have our cups, and remember, keep your ones we don't get and your ones we do get separate so that we can, uh, oh, I don't have a lot of space here. Okay, we'll see this, I guess. All right, who's going for it? Well, we can, we can we'll roll, we'll roll. Oh. Because I have dice right here. Okay. Evens, I go, odds, you go. Okay. Even. Oh, damn. Too bad that wasn't used during D&D. Max damage. Anyway, okay. All right. So here we go. Oh, this is my favorite one of these birds that eats dead things. And it's in Africa. Palmnet vulture. Mm-hmm. Though it actually doesn't do that. <laughs> well, but, you know, if I couldn't say that last word. Oh, um, this is an animal of week in Oceania. It's a small bird. Okay, I need a little more than that. Uh... It's a big egg. Oh, uh, what the fuck? Not, why can't, why, t not Takahi, Takahi? No. South Island Takahi. Um, oh, wait, this might have actually been a pick. Um, so not northern, but. Oh, kiwi, southern kiwi? There's another word. Southern brown kiwi. Yes. Yeah, it was a pick. <sighs> um, a lot of animals in the ocean eat this. Krill? Yep. <laughs> that was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, it's a hybrid that we've talked about. A pizzly bear? Yes. Yay. Um. This is really big, and it was one of our picks. I think it was yours up in the North Pole, I think. Oh. Uh, They're really big, and they have tusks. Oh, walrus. Yeah. Um, it's venomous cephalopod. Oh, no. Cute. Oh no. Pretty. You think I remember you what picked a cephalopod is? You picked it. You think I remember what a cephalopod Squid's is? Squid and. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, a blue ring octopus. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know what this is. It's obviously one I found randomly. Okay. Um, if red means stop, the other color means go. Green. Okay. And then if you're in prison and you stab <laughs> someone. <laughs> what? Uh, sh um, shank. Yes. Oh, green shank. <laughs> That's got to be a bird. <laughs> oh, um, not a squirrel, but a... Uh, I say raccoon. Alvin a and chipmunk. The... <laughs> I went to raccoon, though. It made no sense. Okay. Um, He always chases the roadrunner. Coyote. Yes. I was about to say Wiley Coyote. Yeah. Um. So, black flightless birds are... Penguins? The northernmost one is... The Galapagos penguin? Yes. Okay. Um, nope, this is obviously one. Pirates of the? Caribbean. Okay. And then coral? Snake. No, it's in the ocean usually. Well, it is always in the ocean. Coral? But like the Great Barrier. Oh, reef. Yeah. Um, and then Caribbean not an octopus. Reefish? Not an octopus, but uh, the other one. Caribbean reef squid? Yes. Good job. There you go. Um, oh, my gosh. So, oh my gosh. Um, one of my picks for Greenland, my pick for Greenland was a... Uh, I think it was the horseshoe bat, wasn't it? The Mediterranean no. horseshoe bat? Am I completely crazy? Yes. Greenland? What was Greenland? Oh, I God. see. I see. It's a big goat. Oh, oh, muskox. Yes. So take off the last two letters. Okay. Um, common pest in the United States. Rat? Rodent. Yes. Put it together. A muskrat? Yeah. Muskrat. Okay, that makes sense. Um, oh, the happiest animal in the world. Quokka! Yay! <laughs> always know it. <laughs> um, not lesser, but... Greater. Um, Kudu? No. Coyote chases this. Greater Roadrunner. Yes. Okay. Um, a lot of people make... Not make cheese from this, but they eat this kind of cheese. We used to sell it at that place we worked at. Um, it's Yak? Yeah. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Oh, um, what falls from the sky? Rain, snow. What are the things that fall from the sky in the cold? Snowflakes. Yes. Um, Snowflake more eel. Yep. Okay. Um, ah, this is mine. Okay, they are deep sea and they have really long legs, and Japanese spider. Craft. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I can't say that word. Um. So they're tiny, squishy things that can survive practically anything. A water bear. Yes. Okay. Um, oh, God. Oh, God. I'm dropping things. Um, 
they're a thing that I forgot the term for, but it was your pick for intertidal. Oh, uh, Ochre Sea Star. Yes. We're doing so well. I I'm know. so proud of us. And we definitely did not have a lot of these mm -hmm. before. Um, so, not green, but... Red? Um, not armed, but... Legged? Tarantula? Oh, oh my gosh. Red-legged... Um, you when you're a kid, you climb a lot of trees. Um, and when someone's stalking you, they're a <laughs> peeping tom, a stalker. Um, ah, ah. <laughs> scared me. Can I say it? No, because we didn't get it. Put that one on. We I didn't don't get think it. we're ever gonna get it. It doesn't matter. That's gonna be one of those terrible ones. Put it aside. Put oh it back God. in your cup. Oh. All right, one, two, three. We had 10 on my side. Nine. That was pretty good. I'm That's proud of us. Same. Don't lose track. We're, I know. This is the, the bag that we've done already, Allie. Don't mess this up again. All right. That was so exciting. I'm so proud of us. I think we did really well. Anyway, that brings us to the end of episode 67. <laughs> Thank you for listening. As always, we're your host, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast.